Imagine if I told you that your legs could have angina or that your toes can have a stroke. This is what happens in peripheral arterial disease, the quiet cousin of the atherosclerotic diseases. Today, our patient has peripheral arterial disease, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled Going Out on a Limb and is all about peripheral arterial disease. All right, time for a minute physiology. Peripheral arterial disease, or PAD, is all about atherosclerosis. As you know, atherosclerosis is a narrowing of the arteries caused by lipid accumulation and calcium deposition in the walls of the vessels. This plaque buildup leads to narrowing of the arteries and reduced distal perfusion of tissue. When this happens in the heart, we call it coronary artery disease, and we call it cerebrovascular disease when it happens in the brain. Peripheral artery disease refers to this process happening anywhere else in the body, but can be any other territories, including the carotid and renal arteries, for example. PAD usually happens over the course of years with advancing age, smoking, and diabetes being major risk factors. However, it can also happen acutely as a result of a cardiac or aortic embolus, inflammatory process, or secondary to severe arterial vasospasm. You have probably heard of peripheral arterial disease described mostly in the legs. Because of atherosclerosis of the arteries in the legs, the tissue receives less oxygen and becomes ischemic. This ischemia causes pain, which is referred to as claudication. A typical history of claudication is pain that occurs with activity and is relieved with rest. During walking or exercise, the muscles of the leg require more oxygen than the arteries are able to supply, leading to ischemic pain. In severe cases of arterial ischemia, patients develop symptoms at rest. For example, we will have patients that are awakened from sleep due to severe leg or foot pain and report that the pain is relieved with standing. This happens because the patient needs gravity to augment the very poor arterial flow in their legs. When a patient reports claudication, the location of this pain can be a clue into which arterial territory is involved. For example, if the pain occurs in the hips and buttocks, this may be because of atherosclerotic disease in the lower aorta or iliac arteries. The thigh would point to iliac or common femoral artery involvement. Pain in the upper two-thirds of the calf is likely due to the superficial femoral artery, and the lower one-third is due to the popliteal artery. And lastly, the tibial or perineal artery may be affected if the pain is in the patient's foot. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. Peripheral arterial disease usually occurs over the course of many years, and often first presents with claudication in the legs. These patients may present to clinic with symptoms of leg pain. However, they may also present to hospital if they have an acute occlusion. These patients may complain of a painful, cold lower extremity, and sometimes also toe discoloration. These are features of critical limb ischemia. So in what patients might you suspect PAD? Well, 
PAD is a product of atherosclerosis. So you will most often see this occurring in older patients with risk factors such as diabetes, dyslipidemia, and hypertension. Over one-third of patients with PAD have concomitant vascular disease in other arterial beds, such as coronary artery disease. In fact, the most common cause of death in PAD patients is a fatal MI or stroke. When someone presents with leg pain or claudication, you will want to rule out other potential causes of leg pain, such as DVT and acute arterial embolism. Always assess for the five Ps to ensure that you are not missing acute limb ischemia. The five Ps are pain, pallor, pulselessness, paralysis, and paresthesias. Also on your differential, depending on the patient's clinical picture, may be a vasculitic disorder, diabetic neuropathy, spinal stenosis, and fibromuscular dysplasia. Up to 20 to 50% of patients with PAD are asymptomatic, while 10 to 35% will describe intermittent claudication, which can be in the form of cramps, pain, or paresthesias, particularly with activity. On exam, you should inspect for diminished hair growth, brittle nails, and atrophied muscles. The skin may be dry and shiny or bluish. Look for arterial ulcers, which are often described as painful punched-out lesions with well-defined borders, usually involving the pressure points of the foot. You should also conduct a full neurologic exam of the extremities. Finally, you should palpate all peripheral pulses to see if they are diminished or absent, and feel for temperature as well. Ensure that you examine for the presence of bruise, which might also suggest arterial stenosis. Lastly, it is important to take the blood pressure in both arms. Remember, a 15 to 20 millimeter mercury difference between both arms may suggest presence of subclavian artery stenosis. Let's talk about our workup. The first-line diagnostic test for PAD is the ABI, or Ankle Brachial Index. This is defined as the ratio of systolic ankle blood pressure to systolic brachial blood pressure. You can calculate this by measuring the blood pressure in both the dorsalis pedis and posterior tibialis in the affected leg. This is usually done by using a blood pressure cuff at the ankle and a Doppler ultrasound over the respective arteries while the patient is in a supine position. Divide the higher systolic pressure of the two by the higher systolic pressure of the right or left arm. Normally, the ankle and brachial blood pressures are equal, or the ankle blood pressure is slightly higher because of gravity. A ratio between 1 to 1.3 is normal, 0.9 to 1 is considered borderline, 0.8 to 0.9 indicates mild disease, 0.4 to 0.8 moderate disease, and less than 0.4 suggests severe PAD. If a patient has symptoms but a normal ABI, exercise testing may be required to calculate a post-exercise ABI. The sensitivity and specificity of ABI is lower for calcified arterial disease, such as that seen in diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and the elderly. In patients with these risk factors, an ABI greater than 1.4 should also be considered abnormal and further testing should be pursued. Additional diagnostic tests include segmental Doppler pressures, pulse volume recordings before and after exercise, which is similar to an exercise stress test for chest pain, and vascular imaging, such as a Doppler ultrasound. 
In terms of blood work, basic lab work may be informative in terms of ruling out other processes, such as a CBC for leukocytosis in patients who you might suspect cellulitis and electrolytes for muscle cramps. However, the most important blood work for these patients will be wrist stratification with an HbA1c lipid panel, as well as a blood pressure assessment for hypertension evaluation. You will also want to get blood work to look for any evidence of end organ damage from long-standing hypertension and diabetes, such as nephropathy. The foundation of management of PAD includes addressing risk factors and optimizing medical therapy. The goals of therapy are to target walking, limb health, and reducing overall cardiovascular risk. Key components of management include smoking cessation, supervised exercise, risk factor control with lipid-lowering agents, optimal control of glucose, and hypertension management. Furthermore, antiplatelet agents and antithrombotic therapies are indicated for most patients. Asymptomatic patients should be educated about the signs and symptoms of PAD progression in addition to addressing risk factors. In patients with intermittent claudication, supervised graded exercise therapy and proper foot care should be recommended as well. These individuals should have yearly ABI testing to measure the progression of disease. In terms of medical therapy, antiplatelet therapy with aspirin or clopidogrel has been shown to reduce recurrent cardiovascular events. These patients should also be on statin therapy and on antihyperglycemic agents to target an HbA1c of less than 7%. PDE inhibitors such as psilostazole are indicated in patients with lifestyle-limiting intermittent claudication after they have tried three months of supervised graded exercise therapy. However, this is not available in Canada as of yet and is contraindicated in patients with CHF. When conservative measures fail or if a patient develops critical limb ischemia, patients should be referred to a vascular surgeon and interventionalist for revascularization therapy via endovascular or surgical means. Endovascular procedures include angioplasty and stenting. Surgical interventions include bypass surgery and endarterectomy. Finally, in severe cases, amputation may be needed. All right, time for a medicine minute. In 2020, the COMPASS trial led by investigators from McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario was published. This study looked at the use of rivaroxaban at a low dose of 2.5 mg POBID plus aspirin in patients with chronic stable peripheral arterial disease. Treatment with low-dose rivaroxaban and aspirin reduced recurrent cardiovascular death, MI, stroke, or acute limb ischemia and amputation by 31% which was highly statistically significant. Following the publication of COMPASS, the Voyager trial demonstrated the same therapy reduces similar outcomes in patients with PAD undergoing infrainguinal revascularization. Now in contemporary practice, low-dose rivaroxaban and aspirin is being incorporated into medical management guidelines for patients with PAD. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Going Out on a Limb. This episode is written by Dr. Palki Bhatt, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Sonia Anand, 
cardiologist, and Dr. Kajni Srivaratharaja, general internist. This episode was recorded and produced by Allison Lai. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai and is executively produced by Allison Lai, Leah Karinopoulos, and Zara Morali. Theme song by Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. As always, we have an associated infographic on our website at www.theinternetwork.com. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you again soon.